It's on the front of your outline. On the left-hand side of the logo at the top of the page, write the word deliverance. And then write the scripture, write scripture, Colossians 1.13. Then on the right-hand side of the logo, write the word discipleship. Discipleship. And then write Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. When it comes to being Christian, there's two things that we need in our life. One, we need deliverance. Two, we need to be discipled. We're going to read here, John's going to talk to us about walking in the light. We walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship one with another. Uh, Walking in the light is not a natural occurrence for us. And in Colossians 1 and verse 13, Paul's writing says that God has delivered us out from under the powers of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of His Son. He's delivered us out from under the dominion and the control of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of His Son. And then Jesus said in Matthew 28 in the commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel, making disciples. You, 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 don't, you don't get saved and just become a disciple. You are made a disciple. Disciples are made. The word disciple means a disciplined one, an instructed one, one who is disciplined, follows a pattern, adheres to the teachings of his master. And so we need deliverance and we need discipleship in our lives. And one way that discipleship comes is by hearing the word, but not just hearing the word. As the disciples, we then do the word. Amen. And so making that application. So we need that. But when it comes to deliverance, we need deliverance from this world and its influence upon our lives. Every one of us, you will be daily today, you will face influence from this world upon your life. You'll be marketed, you'll be contacted, something will happen. Now, you used to be, we had cell phones, they were cool because you never got a telemarketer call. Now they market you on your cell phone. So what is up, man? There, is there, but we're constantly being approached. You're constantly having uh, viewpoints. We're, we're in a political season. You're being mega marketed right now with politics and all that stuff. And so there are styles. We're told what styles to wear. There are different fads. There are activities. We're taught we're influenced by the words that we speak. All that is influenced in our life. But, but, but most of that comes out of darkness. But we're supposed to walk in Lie. Amen. And so we get delivered from that. And uh, two weeks ago, when we, when we ministered that word about Daniel, we found out that there was the way of the word or the way of the world. And Daniel chose the way of the word. He refused to be influenced, to be partake of the king's delicacy and, and to stand for God. And then for you and I, we have to make that same choice. What's going to be the influence all of our, off our life? And so John writes this letter to us and he begins giving some principles in discipleship, which is training how to live and walk in our new life with Christ. So how do you walk in the life? Well, take some training to do that. It's not going to come to you natural. How many would agree? So look at uh, John chapter 1. We're going to read the first 12 verses all the way down to the second verse of chapter 2, and then we're going to get into this message this morning. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you 
that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. This is the message which we have heard from Him and declare to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. Verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Verses Verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Chapter 2, verse 1, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and He Himself is a propitiation for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the whole world. Father, this morning, in these next few moments, let our eyes be open to see, our ears be open to hear, and our hearts be open to receive by Your Spirit, the truth of Your Word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Everybody said. Amen. Look at the cover of your outline. So John, this is an epistle to the saints. Not an epistle to unbelievers, but John is writing to fellow believers. And I want you to hear this as an introduction. It is amazing how much clarity can be found in our lives when the Bible is read as a letter written to all with the intent that everyone could understand it. Your Bible, my Bible is written in a way, it is literally written in a way you can read this and understand it. Amen? That's the way this letter John wrote. Written to everybody, they could read it and they could understand it. It does not have to be parsed apart and dissected word by word, though it can be and should be studied in depth by all. There are times, there is at times a necessity to define and clarify the text in the original language, yet its greatest truths are there to be had by all in just simply reading and believing. Sometimes we get so concerned and so focused, we miss the simplicity. Paul wrote to the church at Galatians, he says, Who has bewitched you and drawn you away from the simplicity that is in Christ? Amen? And so sometimes, you know, the, the way we dissect the word and break the word, what's that mean? And we go back and do all that. That's good. It's good to study. It's good to know. But, but sometimes just read it as a letter. Amen? It's kind of like this. If I walked up to you and said, hello, and you pause me and say, wait, hello. What do you mean by hello? I'm sure there's a deeper meaning to hello than hello. What is the root behind the word hello? It's a compound word, hell and O. Oh. So does that mean that, oh, you've come out of hell, or oh, you're going to hell? So what did you just say? Are you encouraging me out or encouraging me in? And so if you were having a conversation with somebody, they wouldn't, they, you'd think they were crazy if they parsed every word and dissected every word. That you, no, I just said, hello. How you doing? 
What do you mean by how you doing? Is there something wrong with me? Are you implying? Is my hair out of place? Not for me. I have no hair. So for you guys. But, but with the Word of God, we break it down so much that we miss the truth. And so originally the Word was written that, 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 that people would, these letters would be passed around and people would read it. They couldn't hold the letter. You had to listen to it. And when you heard it, you understood what was spoken to you, what was being read. Oh, I get it. I hear that. I get it. I could do that. I understand. I can do that. Are you with me? See, when we accept Christ as our Savior, we're born of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit takes up residence in us. He is the one who opens our eyes and our ears to see and to hear the truth in God's Word. He's the one we need to draw upon for understanding when we read. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth and he said this. It's there in your outline. These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So when you read your Bible, when you read the Word of God, you're supposed to read it with your spirit, not just with your understanding. And in and, and, and the next lesson, we'll get to this, but, but the Word of God sometimes, not only do we read it, but many times it reads us. And so when the Word of God begins to read us, it exposes me to myself, and that makes me uncomfortable, so it's easier for me to say, I don't understand it, and that gives me an excuse from being exposed. Moving right along. So it is important also to remember the context of the epistles in their origin. These were letters written to the saints in various areas of various backgrounds, people who did not have personal copies to dissect and extrapolate all the hidden revelations and deep meaning under the surface of what was being said. They were letters written with the intent that they would be read aloud to groups of believers who would gather together, people who would hear them being read and understand what was being said. In Timothy, Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4 and verse 13. He says, give attention to the reading, the letters that I've written. Read them over. Read them aloud. Continue to read them. And so the word was, trans was communicated through reading, and people would hear it and act upon it. They couldn't dissect it. Jesus stood in the temple in Luke chapter 4. The book is handed to him, and he reads out of Isaiah. Amen. In Acts chapter 13, you can read it. Paul and, and Silas are, are there and Barnabas. They go into the temple and they're in there and uh, they, they read the law. It says, after they had read the book, they said, Brethren, do you have anything to say? So the course was, when you were in church, they would read the scriptures. Are you with me this morning? And then people would understand it. One of the simplest, though, in this context of, of John's letter, one of the simplest and yet complex challenges for every person is the twofold declaration given by John in this letter. It is to one, love God, because He has made a way through Christ for us to live in fellowship with Him and have a loving relationship with Him. Secondly, to love people. Or out of this relationship with God comes a commission to love people with the same love we have received from Him. How do we love people? The same way God loves you. What does that mean? Meaning that Jesus died for sinners like us. Romans 5, while you were yet sinners, while we were yet in our sin, Christ died for us. He loved us at our worst, not at our best. Amen? And then we respond to, our, to His love, and He makes us better than what we were. Thank God. 
So it means Jesus died for sinners, not saints. The people we must love are not required to be perfect, but our love for them is. God's love in you is perfect. So when it comes to dealing, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could just deal with people that are nice? Wouldn't that be great if everybody was just easy to love, easy to get along with? The other part of that, what would be the fun of that? Amen. But God, so, so John's right. Hey, we, we're, we're inviting you into this fellowship. And then, then he said, if we walk in life, he is in life. We have fellowship one with another. So we have fellowship with God and fellowship with one another. So loving God and loving people are the two challenges. Sounds simple, but not always that easy. Why? Look inside your outline. Love is easy to declare, yet harder to live and display daily in our walk with God and people. How many know it can be a challenge? It can just be a challenge. One of the greatest challenges you and I face in our walk through life is relationships with people. Amen. Go, go, go back to the Exodus. One day, Moses is telling God, God, I don't want these people. The next day, God's telling Moses, I don't want these people. They're back and forth. They, I mean, they're just, even God and Moses had problems with people. Amen. They're both trying to give them back to each other. Amen. These people you gave me. Oh, no, it's your people. Amen. I didn't ask for them. You sent me to get them. They're yours. No, you take them. Amen. So it takes more power than we have in ourselves to do. It will have to be a work of God's grace in our life. To love people takes the power of God's grace. Write this down. 2 Peter 3.18. Peter ends that letter and he says, But grow in grace... And in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus. Grow in grace. You are saved by grace. And that is the work of God in Christ that caused Him to bear death for you. But then when you step into relationship with God, the grace of God is now upon you. And you and I need to learn how to grow in the grace of God that empowers us to walk in the light as He is in the light. Are you with me this morning? It's going to take the work of God's grace. John has written a simple letter containing just 105 verses of declared truth. Not assumptions or opinion. When you read this, John, he said, this is eternal life. That eternal life, not a eternal life, not some kind of, but absolutes. This lie that we handle. He minces no words and leaves nothing to speculation. He writes with boldness and confidence in absolutes to impart an assurance in the lives of those who will read and believe. Come on, John is wanting those who are reading this to know and to believe, not to have questions, but to know that you know that you know. Somebody ought to say amen. So John's credentials are that he was there at the beginning. He's not speaking from secondhand experience. He was there with Christ from the beginning. His goal in writing is to help others to have the same assurance that he carries in his own soul. So he begins at the beginning, that which was from the beginning. We have heard, we have seen with our eyes, we have looked upon our hands of handled. we have touched life. The word of life, Jesus, the word which became flesh. Life was manifested, plainly displayed in our presence. And we declare to you that eternal. Listen to what he said. We declare to you that eternal life. 
bold assurance, which was with the Father and was manifested, openly displayed, revealed, and rendered apparent to us. He declares our fellowship, our partnership, our koinonia is with the Father and the Son in the Holy Spirit. Or in other words, John is declaring to everyone who would hear this, there is a complete relationship available to all. A complete relationship with God. How many know that's exciting? So think about it. The purpose of the declaration is so that our joy may be full. Joy that we would have cheerfulness, calm delight, gladness, to be exceedingly joyful. He then declares that this is the message, not a message. I love the absolute. And many times that's why we struggle. You, You know the number one problem that people have with the Word of God? It's a word of authority. It's not a word of suggestion. The Bible is a word of authority. And when it's spoken, you have one of two choices. Obey or deny. That's it. And people do not like being under the authority. The only problem people have with God's word is authority. That's it. And so, well, I don't understand. No, you just don't want to come under authority. Doing all right? Well, it doesn't make sense. No, you don't like being exposed. Are we doing okay? All right, moving right along. So John is writing in these absolutes. No, oh my goodness. There, there, there's, no, there's no wiggle room. And it's amazing how when we read the word, we try to find wiggle room. We want flexibility. We want, surely it's got to be broader than that. Surely. We've evolved. We're smarter than they were back then. Not really. Look around, watch the news, not much has changed. The heart of man, culture, uh, stuff changes. Man hasn't changed. Our stuff changed, but man hasn't changed. The dude using the stuff is the same dude. Some of you get that later, amen. All right, different stuff, same guy, fallen man, amen? So look, he declares this message, not a message, but the message. God is, look it, God is light and in him is what? No darkness at all. So that means we can't impose darkness in there. Come on. When, when, when we were worshiping a bit, we had the lights down. It was kind of dark in here. There was some light. But the more lights we turned on, what happened to the darkness? It goes away. Light, darkness does not cohabitate with light. God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. So if we walk in the light as He is in light, we cannot bring darkness into His presence and call it walking in the light. Okay. So this is the message. And John, in his gospel, he wrote in chapter 1, verse 4, that Jesus is, He's the light of the world, and He is the light of men. See, John plainly minces no words in telling us that if we say we have fellowship or a relationship with Him and walk in darkness, listen to what I said, we lie and do not practice the truth. Look at verse 6. It's there in your Bible. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and yet walk in darkness, go back from what we were delivered from. Sean preached a great message last week. I listened to it on the beach while I was hunting for agates. It was awesome. (laughs) Amen. And so I'm listening. He did a great job, but he's talking about that and things that pull us back and choices that we make and then choosing to walk in the light of God as well. So here we have this watch. But he says, if we walk in the light, if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. We lie. 
Who are we lying to? Ourselves. Okay? And then we look at that. And do not practice the truth. Not just believe the truth. You've got to put this thing into practice. Are you with? This is what discipleship. See, we need deliverance. Thank God he delivers us. But now discipleship brings us to the place where we're literally doing this. Amen? Every person needs deliverance and discipleship in that. So he said, and walking through, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Christ, as we just partook in communion, his son cleanses us from all sin. Amen? So in other words, it takes more than just a verbal affirmation of Christ as our Savior. We must practice the truth. As James said, be doers of the word, not just hearers only. So hearing the truth and reading the truth is one thing, but practicing and doing it is another thing altogether. Amen? I guarantee you, this week, you will have the opportunity to practice the word. It'll be something that happens around you. you. You'll have the opportunity either to walk in darkness or to walk in deliverance. Amen. Either to go back to the old or be a disciple of the new. Amen. I shared in first service. We're, we're coming home from our trip. And uh, so we, we have our, our trailer. And behind my truck, we're towing our trailer. And uh, it's 26 feet long. It's light, but it's not that light. And so as we're getting into Arcata, there's an exit, Sunset Boulevard that goes in there. And on Highway 101, you can still hitchhike on that highway. You can ride your, your bikes from the, from the Oregon coast down to the, the, the southern coast of San Diego, down to the, the, the Baja coast down there and stuff. So you can ride the whole length of, of the coast on Highway 1 and that. But, and so the bicycle guys think that they own the road. And so, and if you're a bicycle, I'm not talking about you. You weren't the guy on the bike, okay? Just relax. So anyway, but they're there, and, they're, and, and it's one thing you're on the, but they're on the freeway. And so this, this dude's coming along to the exit, and, and the car's getting ready to exit, and this dude's at the exit, and he, he just goes, he goes like this, because he's going to cut across the exit lane and continue on the freeway. So he just sticks out his left arm and just merges left, and this car's exiting right in front of us. I'm like from here to the back wall, be space between this car, and the bicycle guy goes in front of that guy, and he's slamming on his brake on the exit, and then I'm slamming on my brakes behind him with the trailer and everything. We're going, what? What are you doing? And the bicycle guy just oblivious, just going on. Vermont out, man. So it's just cool. Amen. And and at that moment I was drawn into darkness. And I say, no, no, no. I've been delivered. I am a disciple. Because I was thinking, somebody come along and make that guy a hood ornament. Do everybody a favor and just help him. And, but then I had to redeem my mind and get back over Lord blessing his darling heart and his stupid head amen and then we get a little further down the road to just past Fortuna and there's a place where it's called a gym store it's really just a bunch of polished rocks and stuff and some geodes and things you can go in there and buy so really just semi you know just pretty rocks and stuff it's cool and so we went in one time they got some stuffed raccoons and things it's kind of awesome but anyway (laughs) But this guy, we're, we're close to that, and, and then this guy in an Escalade comes on, and like from here to the wall again, he just cuts me off and then slams on his brake and turns into that parking lot, and I'm like, slow motion, yeah. You know? And it just was crazy, and I'm thinking, what is going on? Again, I'm going over into darkness. 
Amen? Yeah. So, practicing and doing is not... And then... <laughs> we're, yesterday morning, we're driving up. We're, we get to Folsom, and, and we're going under the Bidwell overpass there, and we're starting to head up the Scotts grade there. And there's this little guy in a little Toyota uh, four-wheel drive that he's customized, but he's just putting along up in the, in the right lane, and this guy's behind him. And so I've got my speed up, my truck, my truck. I'm going to pull the grade, so I have the, my RPMs at a certain place. I'm going, yeah, and I, I got like 55, and it's in overdown cruise. Yeah, man, that's good. And, and the guy behind the pickup, I mean, from, again, from here less than the wall. There's something about this distance. But anyway, he just like pulls up, and he's to 40. And I'm like, so uphill I'm breaking. I'm going, what? And so again, darkness pulls me. So John, so, so John is writing, hey, walk in the light. And, I, and I've spent these last three weeks writing and studying it, and I'm going, hey, you walk in the light. I'm going to run this dude over. Nothing. As I came back over, I, yeah. there you go. That's right. Walk, not drive. That's a problem. Should it be a where's that drive verse in here? <laughs> Not in there. I was covered, amen. But, uh, so practicing and doing is another thing altogether. See, the original text tells us do the truth, practice it, make application of it daily in our lives, walk in it as a guiding light to your path and illuminating light to your decisions. Psalms 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Sean referenced it last week in his message about they would put the, the little candles on their feet and you could walk with just enough light for each step. And so there's that place where we stay in fellowship with God. Walking with God is continual communion and fellowship with Him. And it's something you must practice daily. Put into practice. Are you with me? Hear me, Christ is only in the light. We need to hear that today. We live, let me just give this back to you, what I said about culture and influence. We live in a day where we have tolerance crammed down our throat. Tolerance is a political word for compromise. And so when you tolerate something, you compromise to accept it. And the Word of God does not compromise with darkness. So John says, if you walk in the light as He is in the light, you have fellowship with Him. If you walk in darkness and do not practice the truth, then you're not in the light. Are you with me? But yet we think by being tolerant, by being compromised, and so culture has this impact upon it, so it takes a reminder, I, I needed to be delivered, I am delivered, and I must be an active disciple, not just hearing the Word, but literally doing the Word, putting it to practice, making myself, not going back. I still have a great reservoir of profanity in the back of my mind. When I got saved, I could only say, huh, for a few months. Because everything that came out of where I was, I mean, I was just, I was prolific. Amen. I was professional. I probably could have got an Olympic medal <laughs> in profanity and that. And, and so once I got, so, so that reservoir is back there. So when people cut you off and do stuff, darkness calls to you. 
And so, no, I'm a disciple. How many know what I'm saying? And so you come, but you have to, it takes that desire and that discipline to do that. Because the other, darkness is natural, light is not. The natural thing for us to do is to walk in that darkness, to go there in so many different ways. Look at the, the, what this, Christ is only in the light. To walk with Him, we also must walk in the light of His Word, practicing it, doing it. Walking in the light and doing the Word is the proof of our fellowship and our access to the cleansing power of the blood of Christ. It's not enough to say you believe you have to walk the life of a believer. That's literally what John is telling us. Are you with me this morning? So what about the sin issue? John gets down through there, the first seven verses, he lays us all out with a fellowship with God, how to walk with God. And then verse 8, he says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive who? ourselves and the truth watch this and the truth is not in us if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unright now watch this if we say that we have not sinned we make him a liar okay and his word is not enough so John just very absolute are you with me so look at your outline again. Many have wrestled with John's statements in these last three verses of the first chapter. They think to acknowledge our battle with the old man and the fallen nature of sin is an improper confession of faith. John is telling us that we have need of a Savior and none is without sin and all will and must fight this battle or lose the war. Because what happens is, as things go on and wear down, if you're not active in this and you don't understand that this is written to believers and it's not calling us sinners, but it's telling you, you've been delivered from darkness and you have to choose to walk in the light. Because darkness pulls on you. Are you with me? And you'll battle that. That's like I say, you're driving, whether it's people cutting you off, whether it's how people have dealt with you in a personal way or relationships on every matter. People get upset in things that happen in church all the time. I wish there was a church you could go to where you didn't have to interact with people. And be wonderful. There isn't. Amen. And so you just have to, if you want to be engaged, you just have to do it and choose not to go towards darkness. But all of us have had that place where influences. Years ago, I prayed a prayer and, and, and just would do it. And then Bill and Lloyd wrote a song that, forgive me, Lord, for what my eyes have seen, my ears have heard, my mouth has spoken, the things my hand have done, the places my feet have gone. We all, since we have been saved, have seen things we shouldn't see, heard things we know we shouldn't have heard. Touch things we know we shouldn't have touched. Amen? And, and, and when we do, how does that happen? Well, we did, oh, I didn't sin. No, if, if it was darkness, then I just declare, Father, forgive me. Are you doing all right? And then he cleanses me. But we have to be up to date because the devil wants you to become comfortable with doing things in darkness again. Because a little bit leads to a lot. Are doing all right? And then we have to a new tolerance in our life, and then we have a new level of compromise, and then we find ourselves more dark than light. Doing all right? All right. So there's a principle throughout God's Word that sin goes out by way of the mouth. Everybody's done sin. Every man in here has looked at another woman longer than you should have. Yeah. 
Instead of just going, good job, God, and moving along. Good job, God. No. Every man, because God made woman attractive for man to look at. So that man would be attracted to her. And vice versa for women. Women have looked at, at other men and doing that. We, we've all have battled with lust. And just because you're saved, it doesn't mean you never deal with lust again. John is writing to believers here on how to stay on the path of righteousness with God. And when those things, when those influences come in, when those things happen, what do you do? We just say, Father, forgive me. I looked too long. I had the wrong thought. I did the wrong thing. My attitude went wrong in that direction. I, I've been holding this against that person for too long. Amen. Uh, and so we want to be forgiven quickly, but we want to forgive over time. You'll get that later. That was free. Amen. So watch this. So sin goes out by way of the mouth is what John says, or through our confession. And righteousness comes in by way of the mouth as well. First John, or Romans chapter 10, 8 and 9. What saith that the word is nigh you in your mouth and in your heart? That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So we confess out our sin, and we confess in righteousness. Amen? Which is exactly what John is saying to us here. And you have to stay in that place of up-to-date repentance with God. So to confess and declare our sin to God is the path of repentance. Repentance is not a one-time experience. It is a part of our daily walk with God. I have to, I don't know about you, maybe none of you have attitude problems. Maybe you just got saved and the Holy Ghost zapped and you're a perfect person. Maybe you've never been mad at anybody, had an attitude with anybody. God bless you. Come up and see me. I would just like to shake your hand after service. I'd like to meet that perfect person. Amen. So, but when we deal with that, and because Paul, look what Paul says. He writes to the church at Ephesus. Put off the old man with his deeds and with his thoughts. And, and he writes to the church at Corinth. He says, you guys are supposed to be, supposed to be spiritual, but you're yet carnal because there's warring and divisions and fights amongst you. And so we deal with that. And so John is giving us a prescription here. He's not calling a sinner, but he's telling us how to deal and get the victory over this nature and how to stay in the light with God. Are you with me? So it's part of our daily walk. We must heed John's advice and not deceive ourselves into thinking that we have matured beyond our need for repentance. See, the devil is a brilliant being. Hear me this morning. He has mastered the art of religion. He knows exactly how to market his wares and sells them masterfully to those who define the word of truth according to their own perceived standards for their lives. That's the problem. You and I have standards, and when you come up against the word of God, it sets a new standard for your life. God said, God said, God said love your enemies. Oh, you love your enemies. Amen. No, he's a, he's a pray for those who despitefully use you. Wow. And so he sets a new standard, but we want to define it according to our standard. See, he is the ruler of the religious spirit. A religious spirit is a powerful, controlling, and divisive spirit. He's divided men with religion for centuries. Religion is divided by man's opinion of what the Word says and how it applies to our lives. 
So how do we find truth? Truth is found when we just go back and read the naked truth of God's Word stripped of all man's imposed opinion. See, in the dark ages, before the Bible was in print, religion was controlled by a hierarchy, and a few people had the book and the scrolls and stuff, and so they would read it, and they would tell everybody what it said, and then the printing press came out, and people started getting Bibles, and Wycliffe and those wanted to translate it into modern English. Wycliffe's original translation became the, the foundation for the King James Bible and all this, and he was killed. He was martyred for translating the Bible into modern English so everybody could read it. Because once they started reading it, they found that the structured religion was telling them stuff that wasn't in the book. Are you doing all right? And so man had imposed that. But when people just started reading this, they said, wait a minute, I think I'll go with this instead of what you said. And so we had the beginning of the Reformation. Are you doing all right? And so with that, so this religion is there, and there's this beautiful, see, we went to the, uh, we've been there a couple times, but West Haven, little town there by Trinidad, has a a volunteer fire department, so the last Sunday of July every year, they they do a a fundraiser for the fire department, and it's the West Haven Blackberry Festival, it's awesome. The ladies' auxiliary there, they built, uh, uh, made, built, and, and uh, some of them were cooked, some of them were uncooked, but uh, blackberry, over 787 blackberry pies. They start in February, and there's in July, and so you go there and you buy pies, and they make jams and everything, yeah, and then the huckleberry pies. So altogether, there's over 800 pies that they sell at $20 a piece to raise funds for the, for the volunteer fire department. It's awesome. And so... It's Sunday, it starts at 10 and goes to 6. So well, let's go early so we we'll make sure we can get a pie. And then we're there. And so there, there's a little uh, uh, a Baptist church there, a little community church. So we'll go to the West Haven Community Bible Church so we get in there. And from 10 to 11, they had breaking of bread hour. And then from 11 to 12 was teaching. And so we can go to the breaking of bread service. I don't know what that is, but we'll go. And so we go in there, and it turned out that, that, that the way they do it, it's their communion service, or every week they have communion, but they gather their chairs around the back of the sanctuary, and, uh, and different people read scriptures, and then they sing psalms, a cappella out of the hymnals, and let's sing number 183, 113, you know, 279, whatever. and so we sang the songs. It was cool, and enjoying it, but we noticed something when we went in, a little lady met us in the foyer, and we talked to her. But then when she went in, she pulled her scarf up over her head. And, uh, but it's cold up there. She's like, what? She's cold. So she goes in and sits down. She has her, her little scarf up on her head. And then the lady in the other row has another kind of little homemade scarf on her head. And then as we sat down across from her, there's two other ladies sitting over there next to Jim. And they got little white, look like white doilies on their head. And I'm looking around, and I'm thinking, I, okay, I know where we are. And, uh, and so that they believe that women shouldn't be in church and women can't pray without their head coverage, Paul said in Corinthians, okay? So I said, cool. But then the problem is, we're not complying. And so I look at my wife. <laughs> and the other ladies are looking at my wife. Amen. I mean, they're, they're all being discreet about it, but you could tell if you rant, they're, you know, every now and then kind of, and so it was awesome. I was loving the whole thing. And so we're there. But, but problem, so wait a minute. We have different. And so as we're walking out, I said, you rebellious woman. <laughs> because in the songbook rack, there were spare doilies. There were extra doilies. And there was one right in front of her. 
And I said, you rebellious woman, you refuse to put your doily on. She looks at me and goes, not my custom. <laughs> it was awesome. It was awesome. But, but wait, 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 wait. So wait a minute. Now why? So, so that's their custom. And that's their opinion. And they have chapter and verse. But the problem was that if it's not impurity of heart, then someone who doesn't have your custom, do you look at them and judge them? Or do you walk in love to him? And they were very loving. Don't misunderstand. They were very loving. But you could tell they were uncomfortable because this woman. <laughs> and so you guys all think my wife's nice. She is a rebel without a cause. <laughs> Amen. All right. Stay with me. Are you doing all right this morning? So, what so, so how do we get these different opinions? Now let's go back there. John just simply tells us to walk in fellowship with God through Christ in obedience to his word as the light of truth in our lives and to repent when we make a mistake. To allow the cleansing power of the blood to deliver us and to keep us moving forward with Christ. Religious opinions come and go, but God's word has been preserved and has outlasted all the opinions of men. If we simply stay with the word we will always have his light upon our path would you agree yes. amen now watch it so john declares look what he says if we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us if we say that we've not sinned we make him a liar and his word is not in us see most of us would not think of calling god a liar to his face yet when we say his word doesn't mean what it says that's what we're doing we readjust that. And so we come back. But then he says, so if we confess our sin. Now, I don't know about you. Now, let me just, it like me. All of us know, since the day we accepted Christ, there's been some things we needed forgiveness for. Amen. Amen. That's all John's talking about here. That when those moments come, when those things happen, and we get in that place, don't let that darkness stay there confess it, get it under the blood, repent, walk in the light. He is ready. He is faithful and just to forgive you. So, so when those things come up, when my attitude just yeah, if you've been married you've, for three minutes, if you, <laughs> I've seen people after I do get in a fight. I mean, they're like walking down the aisle. Get on my desk, get on my desk. All right, never mind. Moving right along. And we, get, and we get attitudes, attitudes, people, all right, anyway. But if you're married, you've had things that you've had to ask your spouse forgiveness for. Two people cohabitating in marriage have had to forgive each other over and over. What John is saying here, it's one thing to ask that person to forgive you. It's another thing to acknowledge that's darkness working in your heart. And you've been delivered from dark. Don't let that stay there towards something you keep having to go through the same type of forgiveness with your spouse over and over. Towards a habitual pattern where there, you've, this is the 10th time I've had to forgive you for this same conduct, for the same attitude, for this. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so you get delivered from that. You become a disciple and get out of that old part. So if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I don't know about you, but I don't need to change or alter this. I just need to live it. I need the worship team to come back. See, we all must live in this world and deal daily with the influence it brings to bear upon our lives. Every day. Every day. 
And every generation changes. Everything changes. I've done things. Let me just use entertainment for an example. There are things that we all have watched in entertainment, whether it's movies on television or other things, that we know we probably shouldn't have been watching. We know that we're seeing things and hearing things that really are a violation to our spirit. But then we tell ourselves, hey, it's not that bad. Well, not that bad according to whose standard? According to darkness or according to light? Amen. And I've had pastor friends and, and, and preacher friends say, oh, you should see this. Well, then I'll look it up. And it, it's like, I don't know if I want to see that or listen to that. Amen. But then on the same thing, I'm not pure snow. There's things that I've watched that were, and, and I know that I'm violating my own conscience. Can I get an amen? amen? And so when John says, hey, if we walk in the light, he's, John is trying to get us to this place of, of assurance and fellowship where we have joy. Because we know that when we compromise in those areas, and the devil is a master. You have to, don't forget, he is a brilliant being. He loves it when you have compromise areas and tolerance areas in our lives. Because then, once, you're, once you compromise, you know you have and you carry that. And then when you need to step out in faith, when you need a breakthrough, when you need the power, of God and you need to pray he brings up your compromise to you and so John says hey what you need to do is confess that thing and get the darkness out and get back over in the fullness of life the blood will cleanse you and you'll have fellowship and your joy will be full somebody ought to shout amen so we stay in that place see we could parallel this or let me just finish that we need up-to-date repentance in our life because the world comes to challenge our heart and our lives and we have to keep them void of sin, of indulgences, and offenses. Every person in this room has had to deal with offenses in your life and how you deal with that will determine how you walk in life. Amen? So we could parallel this with Paul's exhortation to believers as well. Many think one confession, one prayer, just one time presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice is all it takes. Yet Paul declares that he died daily, that he brought his body into subjection daily, not one. Listen to Romans 12, 1 and 2 from the Message Bible. It's there in your outline. This is so powerful. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. See, repentance is when you place your life before God as an offering. Don't become so well, watch it, don't become so well adjusted to your culture. Are you getting in? Look at this. Why? That you fit in without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognize what He wants from you, and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. See, in a nutshell, that's what John is saying in those first ten verses. Walk with God. Be in fellowship with Him. Keep the darkness at bay. Stay in the light. 
Don't be absorbed by the culture. See, it's imperative for us to have a right understanding of sin and how we are to deal with it. See, we live in a day when you talk about sin, people think you're picking on them. We're not picking on anybody. We're just t- declaring truth. No names are being named, not being done. But, but if, it's pre- if it's getting to you, respond to it. Amen. This is where it's important to remember who this letter is being written to. He's not writing to non-believers or the unsaved. He's writing to give instruction to fellow Christians on how to live for God and walk in the light with Him. See, we're not looking for an opportunity to descend or for an excuse to live with the old patterns in our lives just because we're all sinners. We are to be striving to live in the truth and to walk in the light with Him. See, John declares his purpose in writing this was that we sin not. I write to you that you sin not. He then reassures us that if we do sin, if we miss the mark, if we come short in any area, that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. What does that mean? This means He wants you to win at living and walking in the truth. God wants you to win. Jesus wants you to win. The Holy Spirit wants you to win. He is for you, not against you. He's interceding on your behalf. Christ is your mediator. And He is pleading your case before the Father. He has been appointed to your defense by the Father. Come on, if you were arrested, they would read you your Miranda rights. Part of your Miranda rights said if you cannot afford an attorney, one will be appointed to you. I tell you today, you could not afford an attorney before the judgment seat of God. You couldn't meet the standard. You couldn't fit the bill of criteria. So God said you won't be able to afford this. So I will appoint you the attorney that you need my son will be your attorney he will represent you he will adjudicate your case he will plead your case he is your advocate so what does that mean that means that the judge doesn't want to convict you so he gives you his son as your attorney and not only does he give you he gives you his son with the ironclad defense of his blood for your sin yeah Yeah. Which means the Father who is the judge has court appointed His Son to represent you before Him. So the Father who must and has to in holiness and righteousness one day judge the earth does not want to judge the earth, does not want anybody to perish, does not want anybody to go to hell. He didn't create hell for humanity. He created humanity for Himself and for fellowship with Him in the light with Him as they were in the garden. God and the Father walking, God the Father and Adam the Son walking in the light clothed with the glory of are you with me this morning so God says I don't want to judge you I will appoint my son as your defense so I don't have to wow but I have to choose light over darkness and my friend the culture of our day is compromise and we have to choose to be disciples of light hear me this morning God is on your side. John declares that he lays this out and declares it to us. God is on your side. Bow your heads with me this morning.